Welcome to the podcast for Sunday, May 28th, 2017. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On July uh, 1997, the bishop moved our family from the island of Oahu, where I had just finished my first three years as an ordained minister um, out of seminary. And we moved back to the big island, to to Hilo, where Jody and I had been uh, in high school together. And uh, that's Hilo Bay, by the way. Uh, About a year and a half later, our son Ezra turned five years old, and he was ready to play t-ball. Actually, I was ready for him to play t-ball because I love sports, and baseball was one of the the sports that I played for many, many, I think I had nine years of playing baseball growing up, and so I was telling him how what a great sport it is, and you're going to be really good at it, so he decided to give it a try. All we had to do was sign him up. Now, normally, it's not hard. You see signs like this all over town, right? No matter where you live, you see sign up for for Little League or for t-ball. Well, we hadn't been in sports as a family, Ezra was just five, and so we missed the signs. Um, when I called the local Little League office and I told them where I lived so that they would be able to put me on the team that was in that area, I was met with this reply, I am so, so sorry, Mr. White, but our league is full. In fact, in the area where you live, there's only one spot remaining, but it's reserved for the coach's son. And I was crushed. I'm like, Ezra really want, I really wanted Ezra to be playing t-ball, right? And so I thought, well, maybe if I could talk to the coach. So I asked the faithful question, who's the coach? And they said, it could be you and your son can play. (laughs) Oh, man, they got me. They got me. So I was hooked. So uh, with absolutely zero coaching experience, I agreed to skipper the Kalmana Ainako Twins T-Ball team, which became a two-year commitment for the final two years that we were in Hilo. I didn't know anything about coaching. I went to Amazon, and I bought a couple books on, like, coaching T-Ball and baseball for children. And I figured, hey, at least I can create an environment where my son would enjoy. I wanted all the kids to be able to enjoy playing, to learn some skills in a safe environment where I wasn't going to criticize them or hound them. And and, uh, for two years... Everyone that was involved, we had, we had such a great time. And of course, Ezra was super cute in his uniform, right? Now, he didn't stick with baseball like he did with soccer. In fact, he actually uh, played college soccer at two different universities on scholarships. So I'm grateful for that. But t-ball was part of what Ezra learned about teamwork, right? I think sports can do a wonderful job in helping teach some life skills and what it means to work together. Everyone has a different position to play, a different role to fill, and we win or lose as a team, right? It's, just, it's very different from some of the sports that are more individualistic, which I also enjoy. Well, welcome to the fourth edition, the fourth week in our current series called Secret Identity, Finding God's Fingerprints and Superheroes. Now, if this is your first time with us, you may be thinking to yourself, Really? A sermon, a Christian series on superheroes? I mean, that can't be very biblical, can it? Well, I strongly believe that 
the kingdom of God is evidenced everywhere. And all we need to have is eyes that see and ears that hear. That God has left us signs about what it means to be his children all over, including in the realm of superheroes. Now, up until this week, we'd only look at individual superheroes, Batman, uh, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman. But today, we get the first of two teams of superheroes. And I'm starting with the Fantastic Four. Now, I knew very little about the Fantastic Four before starting this series. Author Russell W. Dalton, in his book, Marvelous Myths, Marvel Superheroes and Everyday Faith, notes that the Fantastic Four are considered to be Marvel's first family. Other superhero teams had superpowers, but the Fantastic Four is one of the few teams that actually got their powers all at the same time. Or sorry, they knew each other before they got their superpowers all at the same time. Commenting on what made the Fantastic Four so compelling, Dalton writes this. The Fantastic Four stories were less about their physical battles with villains than about the way they related to each other, to strangers, and even to their enemies. November 1961 was Fantastic Four number one when it hit the shelves. It was the first superhero team created uh, by co-writer and editor Stan Lee and artist and uh, co-plotter Jack Kirby. Uh, they would go on to have a collaborative effort uh, approach to creating comics, and they created numerous comic series over the course of their time together. Well, the main characters of the Fantastic Four are Dr. Reed Richards, brilliant scientist, Ben Grimm, Reed's college classmate, and he was also a war pilot, Susan Storm is Reed's fiancée, and Johnny Storm, Susan's teenage brother. Now, in the initial issue... Reed asked Ben to fly this rocket ship that he's built up into the stars. And Ben's a great pilot, but he's worried that when they get out of the atmosphere, uh, they'll have these cosmic rays they'll have to pass through, and they don't know what is going to happen when they do that. Well, this was the 1960s space race, right? So Susan in the comic says, well, we can't let those commies beat us to outer space. So they decide they're going to do it. They sneak on to a spaceport. They fly Reed's rocket, which he had built, into outer space. And sure enough, as they pass through the cosmic rays, it has this strange effect, not only on them, but on their rocket ship. And their rocket ship crashes back to Earth. Well, they all survive the crash, but they're all changed. Sue discovers that she can turn invisible, so she calls herself the Invisible Girl. Johnny bursts into flames, and he can fly. He becomes the Human Torch. Reed can stretch his body at will. He's known as Mr. Fantastic. And an enraged Ben turns into a grotesque monster of super strength covered with orange rock-like skin and goes by the first words out of Sue's mouth when she saw him, the thing. Well, each of them has a different reaction to their transformation, but they ultimately respond to their newfound circumstances in a heroic manner. And Reed tells them, together, we have more powers than any humans have ever possessed. And then Ben stops him right there and says, yeah, you don't have to make this speech, big shot. We understand. We've got to use our powers to help humankind, right? And thus began the Fantastic Four. In his book, Who Needs a Superhero? Finding Virtue, Vice, and What's Holy in the Comics, author H. Michael Brewer notes that from the very beginning, the Fantastic Four established itself as a comic book that was determined to break the rules and conventions of the genre. For starters, they ultimately divided their time between fighting cosmic menaces and fighting with each other. 
In fact, that was what shocked the early readers so much that they were constantly arguing, fighting, and bickering among themselves. And up until that time, fans were used to superheroes being perfectly super to one another, very civil. They were also characters with undeniably distinct personalities and patterns of speech. H. Michael Buer writes this, Before their origin, most superheroes had interchangeable personalities. Power and costumes differed, but practically everyone talked alike, thought alike, and acted uniformly kind and altruistic. Aside from sheer nobility, the older superhero characters lacked convincing motivation for their good deeds. But each member of the Fantastic Four was a unique character whose words and actions sprang convincingly from their respective personalities. Now, there were other eccentricities that set the Fantastic Four apart from other comic book heroes. There were no secret identities. And at that point, that was unheard of, right? Everyone knew from the beginning this was Reed, Ben, Susan, and Johnny. Another thing was Susan and Reed uh, were already engaged when the series began. So there were no uh, of those typical frustrating romances, right, where I have to leave and I can't tell you why I'm going and where were you and why did you miss this. And They don't have any of that. Everyone knows uh, who they are. They each know what's happening from the very beginning. In fact, when they got married, that was another first in the comic book realm. It was 1965 Fantastic Four Annual Number 3. And of course... Because there were no secret identities, not only was everyone in the Marvel Universe invited to their wedding, but all the villains knew that they were getting married as well. So they came and tried to crash the wedding, and they had to fight them off and all of this. It was crazy. Well, they continued to break new ground uh, when Susan gave birth to their son Franklin in the Fantastic Four Annual Number 6. You don't put giving birth in comic books. Well, they did. One of the books that I read in preparation for this entire series was The Gospel According to Superheroes, edited by B.J. Orpeza. Uh, He had a very interesting insight. In fact, it was when I read this insight, because I had no experience with the Fantastic Four, I knew I had to put this in the series. He mentioned that in some very significant ways, the Fantastic Four resemble the early Christian church in the New Testament book of Acts. Like the Fantastic Four, the early Christians received their power together. They were all gathered in one place in that upper room on Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came, just like Jesus promised, and changed their lives forever. This infusion of power compelled them out of their comfort zones as they began declaring the wonders of God, healing the sick, and battling the forces of evil in the world. Even in the face of uh, immediate persecution and resistance, the early church was a phenomenal success. He writes, The early church was led by fabulously flawed individuals who worked and prayed together as a new kind of family relying on God's power residing within them. H. Michael Brewer comments that the Fantastic Four give us a picture of the Christian church from within, that it's a modern parable of the church family, that we are imperfect persons brought together by grace and held together by love. Susan moves unnoticed uh, and uncredited among the other people. She's gentle and loving, but her gifts of nurturing are easily taken for granted. She represents the overlooked and unappreciated people of the world. Reed is the opposite. He's a born leader who's always the center of attention, but he wrestles with the demon of failure. He lives in constant uh, expectation of whatever the next 
world-threatening menace would be. But even more than that, he remembers his own past failures, specifically uh, the flight that caused all of his friends to be changed forever. Johnny is a stereotypical teenager. He's a hothead who's always feeling like an outsider, rarely fitting in. As the human torch, his flaming powers are a metaphor for a person who's afraid to let others get too close and yet desperately longs for intimacy. Ben is the most troubled, and yet he's, uh, for many, the most compelling of the team. He has immense strength, but he despises himself. He feels utterly unworthy of love, and he's always angry, angry at everybody. H. Michael Brewer notes that love always looks for a way to heal and nurture. Thus is the case with the family known as the Fantastic Four. Johnny gradually matures because he discovers he can be himself within this dependable safety of this new family. Sue is accepted and loved as she is, but they love her enough to challenge her to do more. And not only just being invisible, she discovers that she can create these force fields and force shields, she becomes quite possibly the most powerful of all the the Fantastic Four. Reed moves from being a standoffish intellectual to experiencing the joys of life, of marriage, of fatherhood, and uh, most of that is because of his wife's persistent love. And then Ben finds his place too. Even before that disastrous rocket flight, Ben uh, was angry and bitter. But over time, he discovers this family who accepts him warts and all. The outside warts that everyone can see, but also the inside warts and hurts that we all have. You see, there's a number of scripture passages that came to mind as I was thinking about this connection between the Fantastic Four and the early church and what it means for us to be the church. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 28 says this, Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many in you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, the things that are not, to reduce to nothing the things that are. The Fantastic Four and all their imperfections came to uh, embrace the power that was given them for the good of others. And they never got rid of those imperfections either. Uh, throughout the entire series, they were still foibles and all, flawed human beings, continuing to argue with each other, but trying just to do the best they can, kind of like the early church, right? They were not all stars by any stretch of the imagination, but empowered by the Holy Spirit, those ragtag disciples changed the world. They were able to be far more than they ever expected they could be on their own. In 2007, the film uh, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, uh, debuted. And there was this scene uh, of how, that kind of shows how each of the family members used their gifts. Uh, it happened at uh, Reed and Sue's wedding. They're right in the middle of the ceremony, and a helicopter, because uh, they don't know this yet, but the Silver Surfer has come um, out of space and has disrupted all of the electronics. And so this helicopter that was uh, kind of paparazzi viewing the, the wedding is going to crash right on the party. I, I show this just so you get a sense of how each of them use their gifts. Let's watch. Due to copyright restrictions, we're unable to show you the clip from the movie. Not exactly how you would imagine your wedding to go, right? Oh. Well, another passage from the New Testament that I think connects to this uh, scenario is 1 Peter chapter 8, uh, verses 8 to 10. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. 
For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. This is why the Fantastic Four worked so well as a team and as a family. They used their outward gifts, sure, but it was the internal gifts, the gifts of love, grace, and acceptance that helped transform them as a people. The same thing is true for the early church, as they served one another with whatever spiritual gifts they were given. They had that love and peace and grace that overcame everything, and people knew something was different about these people. The Apostle Paul, in two separate passages, writes about spiritual gifts that God gives, that God chooses to bestow upon different individuals. He uses the metaphor of a body, right? We are the body of Christ. Some of us are eyes and ears, some are hands and feet, some are kneecaps, some are big toes, some are the, uh, what was the thing, Pastor Angela, the, the medulla in your brain. Who knows? We all got different parts, right, that we have been, uh, again, we all have a role to play in both 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, Paul lays out some of the spiritual gifts that God bestows upon us. And it wasn't meant to be an exhaustive list, like these are the only gifts God gives, not at all. But it's a reminder that God gives each of us something uh, that we can use, not just for ourselves and our family, but for the larger community, for the body of Christ to help transform the world. But perhaps the passage that I found most compelling to who the Fantastic Four were and the connection to the early church was Galatians 5 that Sharon read for us earlier. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, good gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against each other, envying one another. Not everyone gets the same spiritual gifts, right? Some of us are teachers, some of us are leaders, some are evangelists, some excel in hospitality and making people feel welcome. But everyone can receive the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We don't earn these, they're given to us. They're fruits of the Spirit. We, as Christians, should be striving to cultivate these in our own lives. And all of us can have all of these qualities. It may not be as as sexy as being individual, uh, sorry, as being um, invisible or being, have superpower strength, but these actually are the very qualities that the Fantastic Four needed to help them out of some of their most important battles. In 2007, Stan Lee uh, worked on another Fantastic Four uh, um, special episode with John Romita Jr. entitled The Last Fantastic Four Story, World's End. Now, in this story, the cosmic tribunal assembled and determined that after thousands of years, humankind is still having problems with crime, poverty, bigotry, and war all over the world. In fact, so much so that they judge humankind needing to be eliminated. Well, the giant adjudicator arrives. He gives humankind one week to make their peace before everyone is destroyed. Uh, So all the world's heroes, villains, armed forces try to come and fight the adjudicator to to push this off. 
but they have no success. The, the Fantastic Four come and launch an attack. They have no success. It turns out there's only one set of beings in the universe that could ever destroy a member of the Cosmic Tribunal, and those are the mindless decimators. You don't have to know who they are. Just try to follow the players as I'm moving through the baseball game here, right? So to help... Earth, Galactus, and the Silver Surfer tell the decimators of the Cosmic Tribunal's existence, and so the decimators go to attack them. Well, the, at first the, the um, Fantastic Four are excited because the adjudicator leaves to go and fight with the decimators, but then they find out that actually the decimators won't stop, hence their name, until all of the Cosmic Tribunal are decimated, until all of them are killed. And they're like, well, that's not what we intended. We just wanted this one guy to be out of here so he didn't kill us. So the Fantastic Four then uh, race across the universe to fight for the people that were going to destroy them, the Cosmic Tribunal, against the Decimators, right? And they are successful, and so the Cosmic Tribunal has to reconsider their judgment of elimination. And towards the end of the, of the uh, issue... The collective voice of the tribunal says, you have saved us and our world. We will be forever grateful. In fact, you've saved us twice. Once from a deadly alien foe, the decimators, and a second time from making an enormous mistake from destroying a race that possesses such great compassion. Hmm. It's not just the Fantastic Four's great power, but their virtues of love, peace, kindness, gentleness and self-control that ultimately save the world, at least in that issue. We have these same resources, friends, by the power of the Holy Spirit if we're willing to receive it and nurture it and cultivate it in our lives. So we can comfort those who are in pain and mourning, when we can work for justice in the community and the larger world, when we can serve others with kindness and practice generosity. We forgive those who have hurt us out of a deep sense of grace and peace and self-control. Do not underestimate how powerful that is in the world. That can change families, that can change communities, that can change entire nations. As people of faith, as members of the church universal, not just Palmdale United Methodist Church, we are part of a larger family. Just like the Fantastic Four, we're part of a family. Creator and writer Stan Lee had Reed, Susan, Ben, and Johnny wrestle with the day-to-day stuff that families have to deal with. Paying rent, transportation challenges, jealousy, sharing chores, defining individual roles, hurt feelings, even finding reliable child care. Can I get an amen? That's right. He said he wasn't trying to create a superhero team as much as a complicated family whose members just happen to have special abilities. That's the same with us, friends. We're not just a collection of individuals that happen to come to this one place every Sunday at 1045. We are a family. We're the body of Christ. God has given each of us gifts and, and we can cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, not just for our sake, but for the greater kingdom, to help bring bits of the kingdom of God here on earth. In the film Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Reed and Sue are discussing in the middle of the film, maybe it's time to quit. You know, after they finish this next big thing that's coming up, maybe we should step away from the team and let Johnny and, and, uh, and uh, Ben go on their own because we just want to be a family. We just want to have kids and be normal. This is what happens at the end of the film. 
That's the part I like, right? Who says you have to be normal to have a family? Like, there's not many of us that are Just look around the people around you. you there's not many normal-looking people, right? We are all unique individuals by God, quirky but very human. And yet we are inspired by Jesus to love. We all have been created in God's image. We've all been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. And we have the fruit of the Spirit that we can cultivate in our lives so that all might come to know God's amazing love, grace, and peace. Thanks be to God for how we are created, for the families God's given us, for this church that we have gathered together and for the Fantastic Four that remind us what it means to be together. Amen.